You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. 40 years ago, this is Emeritus Rex with Rabbi Ruvain Joshua Pupko of Beth Israel Beth Aaron, a synagogue in Cote St. Luke, Quebec. Uh, a synagogue, yes, and a synagogue that was reminded Again, I'm sure everybody in the synagogue was reminded that any time that they gather there, be it on the uh, the weekday minyan or on Shabbat, the various minyanim that you have going there, that something might happen. Colleyville, Texas, reminds us, tells us again that any time Jews gather, they can be uh, terrorized and be held hostage for things that they are not connected to whatsoever. But yet they are connected, connected to what, how the Jewish people are perceived. I'm sure, Rabbi, uh, you know, your prayers were there uh, for the release of uh, those of the people in that synagogue. Charlie uh, Citron Walker and the others uh, did escape safely. All Jewish hearts and minds were zeroed in on that place. But one of the things that came out that was trumpeted was, and, and Charlie himself uh, spoke about this in interviews on uh, CBS News and the New York Times, was the security training that they had received. I'm not sure who was the responsible person in it. Was it done by some people the FBI was training? But somehow uh, they realized when they had an active shooter, or at least someone who would shoot them, who, was, who said he had explosives, who said he was going to kill them, they, the three of them, eventually acted based on what they had learned of how to uh, not antagonize the person and yet move away and be in a position where they could escape. Um, you know, I, 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 Charlie's chair probably had a little more velocity than Roethlisberger's uh, passes downfield, but somehow, sorry, I had to put that in there, but somehow the, uh, you know, the chair landed on uh, Malik, uh, the terrorist, giving them the opportunity to run out the door and then allow the FBI to storm the building, which brings me to, you know, you are the rabbi of a shul that has much more than three people coming for streaming services. Um, what's Talk a little bit about the, the what's how you and your shul uh, security has, uh, your shul has gone through security training. Talk about that. Yeah, sure. I, I, you know, I, there's a lot to say here, and I'll, I'll focus on your question first, but that will not in any way inhibit me from talking about the things you didn't raise. Uh, I, I, why should it be? Why should it be any different? I mean, okay. I, I think I, I think in general, in the um, in the Emeritus Rex program, I think if transcripts were are ever going to be made of this program, people will say, you know these guys are never talking to each other, right? One no, guy no. says one thing, the other guy says something else. <laughs> the only time they're ever talking to each other is when they're like reliving the salad <laughs> days of their youth and, and talking about things that references nobody has any... But yes, thank you for answering my question. And yes, f- feel free to use it as a launch pad to, uh, to talk about whatever you want. Okay, so let's talk about security in synagogues. Um, this obviously has always been an issue. But it has the, the, the there's been an intensification, an enormous intensification over the last couple of years. We've had terrible attacks in Pittsburgh, 
at the hands of a white nationalist who was uh, troubled by the uh, American Jewish community's position on immigration, who embraced the replacement theory of the right-wing anti-Semites, that Jews are conspiring to dilute the white and Christian character of the U.S. by through uh, you know, a liberal immigration policies. You had black nationalists attack uh, in Jersey City. And I believe Muncie was a similar uh, background of the perpetrator. And what happened in Jersey City was a miracle. Uh, people lost their lives, but they had a bomb that could have taken out a square block uh, in their van. And the events took place right adjacent to a school, uh, a Cheder, where scores could have been harmed. Thank God they weren't. So we had the white nationalists. We had the black nationalists. Um, then you had in May, uh, kosher restaurant in Los Angeles, among many other targets during May, during the Gaza war, uh, where uh, left-wing uh, activists assaulted uh, patrons at a kosher restaurant in Los Angeles. And now we have a, a Muslim, uh, for far from the first time, uh, a Muslim extremist was involved in an attack on, on Jews. So that is the bizarre situation where just in the last couple of years, Jewish institutions have been targeted by black nationalists, white nationalists, leftist extremists, and Muslims extremists. So uh, the array of enemies that Jews must confront and think about is quite astonishing. There's no other people in the world who has such a variety of those who wish uh, to uh, to harm us. So yeah, so in this show, we've, uh, we were, the worst thing that ever happened here, uh, we had swastikas on our door uh, many years ago. Uh, Montreal has seen several acts of violence against Jews. We had the firebombing of Herzliya High School about 15 years ago. The high school library in Ville Saint Laurent was burned down. We had the attempted firebombing of Square and the Jewish Community Center a couple years after that by Chechen Muslims. The uh, Saint Laurent incident of Salia was by uh, by Muslims living there, Arabs living there. And uh, since Pittsburgh, uh, obviously there's heightened attention to security. Um, We've gone through the training. We've had uh, the drills. You know, I, I'm, it was done in defiance of my suggestion. My suggestion always was take a bullet for the rabbi. should be the, the only <laughs> security training where you would train congregants to fling themselves in front of me as bullets were fired in my direction. The security <laughs> experts refused my, uh, my suggestion, and they do, uh, you know, I, I thought it was obvious that first priority should be to protect my life. Sure, sure. The, the Secret Service. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking of Clint Eastwood. In, yes. You know, in, 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 uh, in line of fire when, uh, you know, when he flung himself in the air and took a bullet for the president. So I wanted that kind of training in the synagogue. And, and again, in defiance of my suggestion. And, so, and of, so how did they, again, you know, Charlie talked and, about, you know, you know, the idea of not antagonizing, but yet realizing that you need to get out of it. What were some of the tricks that, that you remember? Well, listen, listen, most of the training, and I've been deeply involved in this, in Montreal has focused on the schools. I'll be blunt. Most of it is focused on the schools. On, on Because there you, uh, you you do active shooter drills and everything else. That was considered, uh, you know, a, certainly a more pressing concern. In the synagogues, it was more about, does everyone know where to go? something happens is there a lockdown procedure is there a safe room you know and and also implementing better technology for the glass for the cameras you know and then the monitoring so there's there's the training is really 
more highly focused on the schools, but there's also significant security upgrades. And again, you have to give the, all the local federations, Montreal included, a lot of credit for this because they were always the ones in front of me. In other words, when the rabbi down in Texas referenced his training, he talked about the community security network. I mean, these are projects of the Jew, of the collective efforts of the Jewish federations uh, throughout North America. And, and people take this very seriously. Unfortunately, it's necessary. And again, as many others have pointed out, you know, we've all visited Europe over since the 70s. There have been armed guards in front of synagogues. You have to register before, have an ID, and all this stuff to get into schools in Europe because of the Arab terrorism in, in Europe since the 70s. We never thought we'd see this in North America. Now that's where we are. And that's a tragedy. Um, I, I think. Especially since let, let, let's talk about the salient difference between a school and a synagogue that it's obvious, you know, I, I always mention the fact that we, of course, Yiddish speakers, we speak as a synagogue, as a shul. And a shul, of course, comes from the German word for school. A, right. shul, a shul is a school. And yet the shul and the school, there was an idea that this was a place that people come to learn. The, the young students would be there with the rabbi who was in the shul in a back right. room where he would study with them. But as we've separated shul and school, we know the difference is stark. The school, we realize, is, is vulnerable children, and parents can understand that they can't just decide, I want to come into the school and see how my, my kid is doing, how my grandson is doing. Um, we can accept that. It's, it's a lot more difficult, I think, when a shul, I'm looking for a place to daven. I happen to be stuck here because my plane, uh, was, my flight was canceled. Uh, I was able to make it to this community. Now I'd like to come into shul. It's, it doesn't happen, or it, 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 it's, it's, we don't recognize you. We don't know who you are. There's uh, a tension there. And, and again, as, as the rabbi, I'm sure you're involved in that. You say well, that we have a very interesting litmus test. It's very easy to find out who's Jewish. Stranger walks into shul, you say, how was your day? And if they say, thank you, I'm fine, you know they're Gentiles. <laughs> if they complain about something, they're allowed in. I, of course, there are Jewish terrorists as well, especially ones that might be turncoats, right? So you can, you can, never, you can never tell. But but but, but I'm serious. Um, no, know. no, you're right. You're right. The idea that people since Pittsburgh, certainly since Pittsburgh, when a stranger walks into shul, and you can tell, I mean, if, if and if there's anything suspicious, you know what I mean? Um, if people are much more cautious and much more likely to intercede and to say, who are you? Do you, you know, and we have security. We every show now has at least one or two security guards outside and inside a, a synagogue today. It's a different world. It's, is, it's is, there a, is there a database that they can tell? Like, for example, you know, it's not hard to go to central casting and make yourself look like a, a, an Orthodox Jew. Is, is there a way that the, the, the security people know, hmm, this, this person, is there a tell? The most effective synagogue security. And this, I think, is what I'm going to say applies more to a, a synagogue even than a school in some ways. Is you, in addition to the people you hire, you have to have volunteers. Because it's only show people who know who other show people are. You can't expect a hired security guard to know who belongs and who doesn't. People who go to the show regularly, 99% of the time can identify a stranger in a millisecond. And uh, so you need volunteers, and and they probably need Rabbi Pupko to explain to them don't th- don't be threatening. Just go over and engage right, no, in it, con- it, engage it, in it, conversation. But meanwhile, try to read the tea leaves about 
what the right. person is really about without right. because otherwise it might be the guy who's actually the grandfather or uh, of, of the bar mitzvah boy or something like that. Right, right exactly. Yeah. And so you have to be careful. I mean, you have to know the event. You have to know what's going on. You have to know if there's a bar mitzvah, you have to know certain things. And, um, uh, and it's, again, it's just, it's, it's, it, it is, it's just sad. It's just sad. Well, I'll tell you, I was a rabbi as well, but one of the things that came up in my synagogue was packing. I was a rabbi in Houston. And uh, it was something I had to get involved in was that my uh, congregants, a good percentage of them, uh, underneath their jackets, uh, had, had gone. Oh, there's no question in my mind that, that uh, in other kinds of synagogues in Texas, the man would have been confronted with, uh, with guys who, as you say in the mafia, came heavy, right? <laughs> were packing heat. There's no question. You go to synagogues today in, in Florida or Texas uh, or even Illinois, you'll find people carrying guns. Absolutely. Which I, you know, is obviously disturbing and weird to me, but uh, as a Canadian, but uh, uh, absolutely. I know the stories. I know, uh, I know what's going on. People have taken a lot of gun training. Right. And, and, you know, look, Charlie Citron Walker uh, welcomed the fellow, made him a cup of tea. I saw a picture of the fellow and clearly he was not one of your usual congregants. Uh, and, and he clearly was not a, a Jewish fellow looking for a place where he could join the prayers to Jerusalem. Um, and maybe, um, you know, again, without, I'm not blaming Charlie, uh, but clearly this, it sort of indicates that there needs to be a limit to how welcoming we are. Listen, you know, none of us want to make our synagogues fortresses, but neither of us want to be reckless. So it's very hard to know where to draw the line. It very, it is, these aren't simple questions. And uh, are at this moment, at this very moment. I mean, there's this, uh, there's a woman with the title rabbi uh, somewhere who uh, semi sent this to me because I, I don't peruse social media sent this to me where she wrote afterwards that it's terrible that there's new calls for increased police uh, presence around Jewish synagogues. We don't realize the effect that has on Jews of color and calling for increased policing is an, uh, is, is, is disturbing a trigger to Jews of color. Now there's nothing stupider in the world to say, honestly, uh, number one, every single survey, have ever done in any black community in America shows they want increased police. The only people who want less police in black neighborhoods are progressive whites. Okay. Blacks understand that they are at the front line of criminality and they need up. So first of all, that, that issue, I mean, she's completely nuts, completely nuts on that, completely nuts. But for that to be reaction, but again, so I'll, I bring her up only to point out the uh, broad diversity of stupidity uh, that, that exists. Um, but uh, it's, a, listen, we live in a new world. We live in a different world and uh, uh, where security is a concern, you know, but again, too often we make mistakes in security. We, you know, we go, we have two emotional settings, apathy or panic. We need to have a reasonable approach somewhere in the middle and and we're also obsessed sometimes with the last event. In other words, like, you know, like the shoe bomber has now made every person ever flies in anywhere in the world take off their shoes, not because of one event. So 
if car bombings were the issue 20 years ago, people are still worried about putting planters. If active shooters are the issue, you do something different. We have to have a holistic approach. We have to, you know, know, know what's real and what's not real. And you have to understand that the frontline defense in any Jewish building, school or synagogue, are your own people and people motivated to use the technology that has now been uh, put into all these buildings. You know, you know, you, you bring up where, but in certain communities, the TSA, um, they they're not jocular but some of them show you that look i feel bad for you that we have to go through this there's a little bit of you know uh, there's a there's a little bit of, of jive talking and, and 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 cute repartee that sometimes goes on with the tsa they and i think that's very good uh a lot of it is 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 what surrounds it the the calmness of the people as serious as the job is uh, to have a, a veneer of calmness but but and I think that's something which our security people in our synagogues probably need to practice as well. They can't just be, as you say, like Clint Eastwood's um, uh, uh, secret service person. What I was also thinking was maybe halakhically, there the psalchim could come out. Look, you know, we're both rabbis uh, in, in different ways, but maybe the, the rabbinic world can be matir uh, as a dover pushet that there's going to be a metal detector for everyone who comes into shul. Everyone comes to shul, you know, you walk into the, right. And there's a metal detector. Yeah. It would, it would seem to be something that um, we, we, it's, it's a psychratia, but still it's a double shed of common. And, uh, it, 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 and if you, right. And the, all the heterum of electricity, it would seem to be something that we should institute, which could be done in a way that someone like, you know, and I don't know if metal detectors are able to discover plastic explosives, but I assume they can. I assume if, and, and that There's might- There's for that, but yes, I mean, that, that's the question is, is how far uh, we have to go uh, to do this. You know, it's- But, but, uh, but, but it's not, it, again, people can get through it. It's almost like, look, you're going through the detector. You're going to walk through there. It's going to take a complete body scan. There's going to be, we have our guy that's hired and now enjoy yourself. Just like after you go through uh, security at, at the airport. Okay. Now let me go to uh, duty free and buy a bunch of chocolate liqueur. You could feel the same way. I had to go through this to get into the show, but now I feel safe. And I think that. I'll tell you, one of the things that concerned me over the years, and I know this might sound like uh, I'm talking from ancient history rather than the current reality, but. When, when the events happened in Montreal in about 15, 16 years ago, uh, fire bombings, um, I and others, were, we spent a lot of money. The community spent an enormous amount of money on security guards at that time. It wasn't so much the tech, it was, you know, security guards standing outside buildings, outside schools primarily. And I was concerned that if you go too far in securing the institutions, do you send them a message you don't want to send, which is, is dangerous to be a Jew in Canada. It's dangerous to be a Jew in America. Now, has that horse left the barn? It's too late to worry about that because everyone knows it's dangerous. But I know that's what I used to think. In other words, we have to balance security against the important message that, you know, you send your kids to Jewish school. They're going to be okay. You know, go to a school. It's fine. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe that's completely anachronistic in light of recent events. Uh, and therefore, the only way to have people come to our buildings is to be 
on a very, uh, you know, to exercise very uh, high high level of uh, of security preparations. But again, the concern used to be is we're sending a message that really isn't in sync with reality, because again, the threat wasn't as bad as it is today, and we were worried about sending a wrong message about how safe it is to be a Jew. And but now I get you know after all the recent events you know it's, it's that issue is off the table. Okay, so you again I, I know you're loath to recognize right the, the and separate within our minds. This was the thirty seconds or forty five seconds of security, ridiculous though it might be. And now that I'm in the show, the show is a safe space. Right. I mean, I, listen. There's no question using some of the precedents from Israel about carrying a gun on Shabbos and securing things on Shabbos, there's no question there's ample precedent that could be implemented in North America and other places to secure our institutions. There's no question on Shabbos. And, and, and another thing we, we talk about, you know, packing heat is, although you know, we like fantasizing about it, but it does seem strange. And when I, as the rabbi in Houston, when I saw how many of my congregants were packing, it was a little bit strange, especially since I got a complaint from a, a mother and showed us that uh, Charlie Citron Walker, Texas Ranger, Charlie Citron Walker was able <laughs> He was he was able to show us that you know there sometimes you don't need a, a fancy weapon. Uh, a, a couple of Krav Maga guys in the show might be a good thing as well. Uh, listen, I, listen, one thing, there's no question, is that most shows today have Israeli combat veterans in, in attendance. So we have guys, and we've got we've done that here as well. We've done the Krav Maga uh, training. We've done that. You know, I'm just I'm very skeptical at times. And worried at times, but then no matter what we've done, there's no question that we're still vulnerable. No matter what you do, uh, there's always a way, and uh, and those who want to harm us will always, you know, have a, a very high level of, of motivation. But again, security does work. I mean, I don't know if you remember the story in L.A. There was an attack in L.A. once. I'm trying to remember the details, but the perpetrators had first gone to a Jewish building where there were security guards and they drove away and they went to another place. So we know it does work. We, we, we know that the even the presence of rent-a-cops, you know, people sometimes disparagingly refer to them that way, rent-a-cops standing in front of a building makes a difference. And um, uh, so these things help, but again, you know, uh there's reasons you know it, unfortunately it's a we live in a dangerous moment we live in a very dangerous time where uh the radicals have been emboldened all the radicals i mentioned earlier left right white nationalists black nationalists muslims they they, they they they've been emboldened they have access to firearms they are on the internet where they uh where, where they encourage each other it's a very dangerous moment yeah undoubtedly and and i think that uh uh you know, ben Shapiro and others are correct in reminding people about the the prevalence of anti-Semitism. And as I said in the beginning of the program, the fact that a Jew anywhere in the world is somehow responsible for anything that's considered um, a, uh, a, a, a an assault on, a, on any type of Muslim community. But again, we guys. also have to remember what happened recently. There's this. Okay. He goes ahead. He travel. He comes to America. 
He goes through JFK. Somehow the Americans let him in, which again is bizarre. He gets to, he, he goes to uh, the, the Dallas area. He stays in a Christian hostel for about 12 days, picks up a gun on the street somehow, and, and then goes to the synagogue because it's 25 miles away in prison is a hero to the Muslim extremists, a woman named Afia Siddiqui, who was, uh, who was put in prison for 86 years for the attempted murder of an American soldier in Afghanistan who's married to the nephew of Khalif Sheikh Mohammed, the mastermind uh, of 9-11, who was involved uh, in, in plotting worse terror attacks in America. And, and again, what people forget is just September, what is that, four months ago, there was a rally in Dallas by CARE. Now, CARE, we know what CARE is. We know also, tragically, what the general, the world thinks of CARE. The general world thinks CARE is a wonderful, you know, civil uh, uh, civil rights organization defending uh, uh, you know, Muslims, uh, very opposed, of course, to, anti- to Islamophobia and all those things. CARE held a rally for her in September in Dallas to release her. CARE's director in, in San Francisco talked about how Zionist synagogues are, are really uh, are really arms of a, uh, 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 of a of a network of hate institutions that spread hate against Muslims. So you, you have what's considered a mainstream Muslim organization rallying for Afia Siddiqui. You have the director of its California chapter denouncing mainstream Jewish organizations and synagogues for being part of an Islamophobia network. And then you have this radical from Britain come over. And so we have to understand the climate in which we're living. We're also living in a climate where, you know, when Obama was president and hyper gets attacked in France, he says it was chosen randomly. And after Texas, the first comments about the FBI was, this has nothing to do with the Jewish community. That, that, again, that, that, that has since been uh, corrected. Where, where people are involved in two things, obscuring the Muslim identity of perpetrators and obscuring the idea that Jews can in any way be a target. So there's a deliberate attempt, you know, to maintain the narrative, which is, what's the narrative? People of color are victims. People who are poor and appear bedraggled are the victims. People who appear safe, secure, white, uh, and, and financially well off are always the perpetrators. So the current theology, and it is a religion, of the, uh, of the progressive left is designed, surgically designed to exclude the Jew from ever being thought of as a victim and to implicitly indict the Jew for at the very least being the beneficiary of white privilege, if not an architect of that white privilege. So you have that mindset which goes out of its way to obscure the identity of perpetrators and to deny, you know, to erase Jews uh, as victims of bigotry, and, and so uh, you know we yeah, have well, to. Well, you know, but but Biden and Harris, let's applaud them for their Biden, statement. Biden was much better than Obama. Biden yes. called out extremism. Remember, even George W., even George W. Bush, whenever there was an attack perpetrated by Muslim extremists, the first line, as it was for Obama, was, uh, "We have to be worried about Islamophobia. We have to worry about Islamophobia. We have to worry about Islamophobia. Islamophobia." Biden didn't say that. Biden denounced anti-Semitism. Right. He didn't denounce Islamic extremism, but he went as far as a man can do today and still survive. He said he denounced extremism. You got to give Biden credit. Uh, wrote a article in the Times of Israel, uh, lambasting the chief rabbinate 
for not issuing some sort of statement on uh, Sunday or wherever it was as the uh, crisis was uh, resolved, uh, at least in some sort of fashion. With the interconnectivity that we have, that news everywhere, whether it's hyper-cachere or uh, in, in, in Toulouse in France, right. we realize that you can't just say, well, that's America, not Israel. Do you think Farber has a point that the, the Rabbi Lau and Rabbi Yosef should have, or one of their secretaries should have issued some sort of statement about, uh, you know, the, the Hakar Satov to the Rabboni There's no question they should have. There's also no question in my mind that there's an unintended, maybe it was intended, unintended benefit from them not saying anything. Because had they said something, some idiot in Israel would have said, oh, but it's the Reform Synagogue, who cares? So maybe by their silence, we had less stupidity. I don't know. But the point is, of course, they should have said something. Uh, maybe they're too busy cleaning up other messes. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, of course, they should have said something. Uh, you know, it's this is really a, a very simple thing. When the Jew is attacked for being a Jew, uh, there are no labels, there are no hyphens. We're just Jews. And um, we know that... It wanted to imply the opposite that they, because they discounted reform as a accurate or a real authentic representative of Jews, they felt that- could be the reason, I don't know their intent. I can't read their minds. Farber may be right. I, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical, but he may be right. If I remember correctly, they certainly were vocal after Pittsburgh, which also wasn't an orthodox institution. But again, uh, of course, they, yes, Farber's right. Uh, you know, there's no question. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, so, and, and I think that, uh, which is which is strange. I think that I don't know if there's a disconnect between the United States and Israel. You would assume that um, you know, they the they know where their bread is buttered. I mean, they understand how important uh, American support is. But even more than that, it, it could be in in Somalia a show. The you know it, it, it's it's sort of strange in a way because you know Israel is oh, ready. Ramesha was asked, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong. And this is that's based on something I read many years ago. When the Ethiopian Jews were coming and there was a question asked about their lineage, Ramesha said, very simple. He said, they're being persecuted because people think they're Jewish. It's a chil Hashem not to help them. So it, 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 so even, so of course, of course, if somebody is, 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 is part of our community and they're under attack, everybody has to stand up. Everybody. Yeah, I'll tell you, I, I, the Ethiopian story needs to be repeated over and over again. The fact that this little country, Israel, whatever people might think are gestopped with guilt, but we know the funds that they have and the efforts that they had in terms of the Ethiop- bringing the Ethiopians uh, to Eretz Yisrael is one of the most wonderful stories of, 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 of Jews loving Jews. It's incredible, and it needs to be heralded, and it needs to be emphasized for all these people who are skeptical about Israel, Jewish hatred of Jews of color. It's, it's, it's a great thing. I have another theory, though, uh, Rabbi, about why uh, the, the rabbis Yosef and Lau um, sort of downplayed it. I think that for an Israeli, this is sort of like like like, like par for the course. Maybe. I think I, 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 I think the idea of and it's not just because it was only three or four people that were threatened. I, I think they 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 are so um, they know about terror attacks. And they know that despite the big hullabaloo in America, that it's the top story and that breaking news and it's, it's, we're, we're going to keep you updated. I think in Israel, the, the, uh, the idea of one guy 
coming into a, a group of, of three or four people, I think that might be the reason why they downplayed it or didn't think it needed to be commented upon. It's unfortunate, as, as you know, um, you know, the, again, I don't have the list of Israelis that are killed and that are attacked and, 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 and terrorist activity that is put down. I think that's part of the reason. And I think it's why they, I think it's part of that gap that they can't maybe understand what's going on in, in, in the United States. Yeah. You know, I, I really, uh, tremendous credit that, you know, despite your Steelers um, going down and, um, you know, in the game that they couldn't have won. I mean, there was no way they could have won that game. Um, but you still have an interest in uh, the divisional rounds this coming week. Um, so let's go with your picks here. What do you think? Let's uh, Cincinnati will beat Tennessee. You think so? Buffalo will beat Kansas City. Buffalo will beat Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game and go to the Super Bowl. That's on the AFC, the NFC. Uh, what's the story? The uh, I believe the Packers will beat the 49ers. And I believe the Rams will beat the Buccaneers. You think Brady's magic is going to run out? Yeah, and I believe that the Packers will then beat the Rams, and we're going to have a Buffalo-Green Bay Super Bowl. Someone else said that. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, here you have the two smallest oh, yeah. markets, the two <laughs> coldest markets, right? But, but you know what? They, they shouldn't play in California. The no. Super Bowl should be no. played on a frozen tundra somewhere between Buffalo, somewhere, somewhere between be, Buffalo uh, and Green Bay. It should be in Soldier Field. It should I, be. I, I want to tell you something. I haven't seen a, a, a full games, but the clips I see of Josh Allen, Josh Allen is such a uh, uh, a, a throwback. I mean, Roethlisberger retires, but Josh Allen is a great. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, I want to see a Green Bay Buffalo Super Bowl. Yes, that would uh, that would be something. I think there's uh, there's, you know, you know, Mahomes is such a incredible talent, um, but there's something like old fashioned tough about Josh Allen. Yeah, I like to see him. You know, obviously I'm a Packer fan. You know, I, Rogers is the weirdest person i think one of the weirdest people who ever played football yeah. you got even i mean one of the strangest human beings who have who has ever been graced with talent and football right i mean he's not a stupid guy yeah yeah right but he's, he's not as smart as he thinks he is right he's thinking okay. he won't be he, look, he probably, it's probably better for him to host Jeopardy than Mayim Bialik, right? Right. <laughs> but that's what, that's what he'd like to do. Well, I'm, I'm happy for your predictions and it, it definitely will be a salve and something that we can sort of like sit back and enjoy and forget about the fact that people are getting their, their brains bashed in uh, right. while, while this is going on. Um, we shall uh, see you. Hopefully, we'll see how your picks turn out next week. We'll see if you will go uh, uh, four for four on that. Take care, everybody. We'll check it out later. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.